Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Karen. Karen Randall is a transition life coach who helps people at midlife who have experienced a significant life event that has left them wondering who they are to create and manifest a life that is full of purpose, meaning, passion, and joy. She is a transition life coach, energy psychologist, creative arts facilitator, college professor, yoga teacher, and recovering CPA. Uh, ironically, we were just talking about before we hopped on here about how I'm going to school for psychology. The first thing I went to school for before I flunked out or right out of high school was financial information and analysis. <laughs> My goal was to be a CPA. <laughs> I never made it there because I flunked out my last uh, semester in college the first time around. But yeah, so it's our, our, it is serendipity that we're here. So um, Karen left her career as a successful business executive to pursue a master's in in transpersonal psychology, followed soon thereafter by a certification as a psychosynthesis life coach. Psychosynthesis. That sounds interesting. Karen, (laughs) thank you for coming on the podcast today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Megan. Already, we've had just such fun conversation. I'm looking forward to this. I know. I was telling you before, like, we officially got this rolling, how I want to be a a psychology professor, and you are a college professor, and, you know, I was was going to school to be a CPA the first time around, and so... (laughs) And, yes. and I was saying that you are so far ahead of most people because you're doing this in your early 30s. And I started this in my 50s. So you're like 20 years ahead of <laughs> so many of my students, honestly. So many of yeah. my students are coming to this um, transition, which I view it through the lens of transition in midlife um, when they realize that they have choices that they can make and change their lives into something that has more purpose and meaning for them. I'm very excited to be going to a graduate program because in undergrad, I'm like the oldest person in the room, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but in grad school, I might actually not be the oldest person in the room. (laughs) Right. Right. So that gets me excited. Cause like, I, I mean, in my associates, I went to, um, a college that, you know, they had a a good mixture. There was a lot of really young people like fresh out of high school, but then there was older people, like a few that were older than me. Um, So that was nice. But then when I I went to a four-year university, now we're talking about a lot of people who are this age of my daughter, (laughs) a little bit older than her. She's 18. Like, and I'm just like, oh my God, I could be your mom. (laughs) So I'm excited to go into grad school and, you know, actually being going to school with people who are at least quite a few older years older than my daughter. (laughs) Number of years. But haven't you recognized the difference this time in being an adult learner? Yeah, And doing something um, because it's your passion that is bringing you there. And also the the, um, perspective that you have in what's important and what's not. Absolutely. 
and using your time wisely as opposed to, oh, there's a party. You know? Yeah, that's exactly why I flunked out my last semester in college. <laughs> I was in a really toxic relationship and I had a far too big of a social life. Um, that didn't really work when you're going to a private university. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, Karen, I'd love to have you, we haven't had anybody on that really talked about that midlife transition. So yeah. tell us what it was like, tell us, you know, what brought you to that point, you know, how you were feeling, what was going on, everything like that. I would say that what really started that transition for me was, when my middle daughter went to college. And this was, this was such a challenging summer for me. Um, so in one summer, my oldest daughter got married way too young in my perspective, because <laughs> she, she was only um, 21. She hadn't graduated from college yet. So, you know, this was not my plan for her. Right. So that was earlier than I was planning on that. And then my middle daughter graduated from high school and she was often doing, you know, the post-graduation playing and fun and you never see them kind of thing. And then my youngest daughter started driving that same summer. And once they start driving, they're yeah. gone. Yep. You know? you, and, and also you miss that car time and car time with teenagers is special time because they're trapped, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you miss that. And also um, my husband, my former husband, that summer had seriously injured his back and had herniated discs and was, you know, I was on my own throughout all of this transition time that the beginning of it. And I came back from dropping my daughter off at college and I just stood and looked at her bedroom, her empty bedroom. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, you know, started bawling my eyes out. I got sick. I was sick for about three weeks after that because um, it, it was all of a sudden abundantly clear that this way that I had um, defined myself as a mother um, was coming to an end. And not that I'm not still a mother, but I'm not right. a mother to children in the home which is a very different relationship. And this was the beginning of um, a process that ultimately led to, um, unfortunately, divorcing my husband, the father of my children, and to changing careers and <laughs> leaving my um, career in business and going back to school and getting uh, my master's and then um, starting to teach at the in the program where I graduated and becoming a life coach and just a lot of different changes. But it really for me began with that one significant event of my children leaving the home and becoming an empty nester. And for every woman, it can be different. For many women, it is that significant event of the children leaving the home. But there are other things that happen in midlife. There is menopause or perimenopause, both of those. There are parent issues, which become really challenging. And especially if you're in that sandwich time, right, where you're caring for the parents as you're still caring for your, your kids and your family. 
Um, there is also um, a really big career pressure, I think, at that point for women where we look at when our children leave the home and we've been doing a job and taking care of our children and all of a sudden we're like, okay, what is it that I really want to do for me, you know, that right. I would like to do? And so that often leads to the beginning of this midlife transition also. So all of those are significant events. And in my case, also, there was divorce, um, which is another one of those really big um, uh, transition events that can start us down that path. Did you get your own therapist during that time? Uh, I did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking like, that's a point in time where you might need to see a therapist. I did. With all yeah. the things going on. Yes. And I was, I was just blessed in how it happened. I started going to this woman um, as a meditation teacher, oh. um, you know, and it was kind of, I think it, it was because it, I was so afraid to say, I need somebody to talk to and that right. I, I really know that I need counseling. I was just afraid to take that step. And so I started with meditation and, you know, after two or three sessions, I just kept saying these things and she goes, well, maybe what you really are looking for is counseling. And I'm like, oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, um, it was such a gift. Um, because I, and I worked with her for probably 10 years in mm -hmm. various ways through different um, transitions that I was going through. And it just opened up so many um, new understandings for me and opened, you know, we all live inside the box that we know. And right. you don't know what you don't know. And yep. to have that person to just say, is that true? Is, is that really true? Um, and invite you to explore what else could be true is it's really the gift of having, you know, someone in a helper profession working with you. Yeah. And they can really guide you. I, I think a lot of people think like, oh, I have to have a mental illness to have like a therapist and simply not true. I am a firm believer that everybody should have a therapist at some point in time in their life. That's my yes. firm belief. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I also want to, you know, make sure that people understand the difference between therapy and coaching, too, mm -hmm. because um, coaching is, you know, a newer profession for sure. And, and really, um, the biggest difference is that a coach is absolutely sure that you have the answers inside of you. And our job is just to help you to, to hear them. Right. Right. And um, so it's really someone who's just walking alongside of you and reflecting back to you what you already know by asking powerful questions. So, you know, sometimes a therapist is going to be what you need. It's definitely what I needed. So I don't want anyone to say, think that I'm saying, don't go to a therapist. Right. There's just different people for different needs in your life. No, absolutely. And, you know, I was a coach for a while. Um, uh, my, mine was more like empowerment, guidance, like that sort of thing. Um, and one issue I had with the coaching industry is there's 
it's not like when you're a therapist, there's a certain accreditation body yes. and they're, they're making sure like you're doing the right things and you yeah. can have your accredi- accreditation taken away from you. Coaching's not like that. Yes. There's sort of certification programs and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but there's no body that's ensuring that coaches are doing the right thing. And one of the issues that I've seen a lot in the coaching industry, and I'm friends with quite a few coaches is people not staying in their own lane. And Absolutely. trying to coach on things that they are not qualified to coach on. Absolutely. Um, yeah. a, a previous guest that I had a long time ago, Kelly Ruda, she's actually the reason I became a coach. Um, but then I realized I don't like being an entrepreneur and I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur. And I'm just, I want a boss. That's all I want. Just give me my paycheck. <laughs> let me do my job. Um, I don't, I do not like entrepreneurship. Um, but she was a psychotherapist for like 20 years and then became a coach. And she posts a lot about that, about, um, you know, people finding the right coach and what you should look for and, you know, how you need to be careful because some people like are over overstepping, you know, saying they can do things and mucking around. Now you have a master's degree, you have experience, you have these things that back you up. Not everybody does. Some people are just like, I'm just going to call myself a coach and say I could do these things because I think I did them to myself. And yeah. <laughs> and, and it's such, it's such a good point because anyone can call themselves a coach. Yeah. You know, because it is a newer profession. It is evolving in terms of the um, requirements and the licensure. And I do believe that in the in the future, probably nearer rather than further, there will be um, more requirements and more um, oversight on what happens in the industry because it gets abused for sure. And there are definitely ways that you can take care of yourself. And that's by looking at certifications that people have, asking about the training, asking what their specialization is, what are the lane that they work in. Like I would never work in alcoholic rehabilitation. It's not, you know, or um, abuse, you know, that's not my area of expertise. So staying inside your lane is really important. And I I think that, you have raised a really important point for your listeners to be aware of. So what brought you to the realization that, Hey, um, I don't think being a CPA is the thing for me Um, because jumping from CPA to psychology, that's that's a whole, they're two different animals, right? Right. Yes. Right brain, left brain, you know, like how far away. So it's not just psychology either. It's transpersonal psychology, which is like woo woo psychology. So I love woo woo stuff. Yeah. How far can we get from each other? But in the, in the intermediary step, um, I, became a yoga teacher and I owned a yoga studio as I was still working full-time as a CFO, um, vice president of finance kind of thing, which is like crazy, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe I, maybe I overdid a lot in my life, but, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I just got to the point where I, I knew it was time to leave the position that I was mm. in. And I absolutely could not face the idea of interviewing for a new job because I knew I couldn't be excited about anything in the world of accounting and business. I was just done with it. It It's very snooze worthy stuff. (laughs) Yeah, 
yes, yes. And I had had um, in the company that I worked for, I had a great department of people who I loved. We loved working together. They were good at their job. And, and then we sold off most of that company. And I was just left in the, you know, the remaining part, which was not as much fun to work with. And most of my people had gone with the old company. So I didn't have, you know, the group of people, which really, you know, that's the most important part of any job is working with people that you really enjoy being with because you're with them a lot. And, and so it, it was so clear that it was time to leave. And I just, I just couldn't imagine continuing in that. Um, So the way that I ended up at the school I went to, which is, by the way, called Sophia University was just such synchronicity, you know, it was like, (laughs) um, I was looking really to do somatic counseling, which is, um, understanding emotional pain or trauma held in the body and then working through the body to heal that. And I was looking for that and couldn't find a distance learning program, which is what I wanted to do. So difficult to find a good distance learning program, especially in like undergraduate, not as much, but for like the higher, like master's PhD level, No, no. I'll be driving an hour each way to school just because like it wasn't possible one to find an affordable (laughs) master's program (laughs) um, online and two, one that will really set me up for PhD work. Like, you know, um, so for me, I'm going to be driving an hour each way. Uh, It's going to, I already signed up for my class. It's going to be Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So three days a week. Um, And it's just like, that's wild. But I mean, it is, you know, we have to make sacrifices sometimes just to be able to get what we need. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And just think of all the podcasts you'll be able to listen to. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. I was like, oh, all those extra hours. Because as it is, like I get behind on my podcast because my my husband's home, he, his job was taking him away a lot. Um, but now he's home all the time. So he's been cooking dinner too. And that was pride predominantly where I would listen to podcasts. <laughs> so now I get behind it. Like on Sunday, like yesterday, when we're talking yesterday was mother's day and I'm like sitting out in the porch, drinking my coffee, listening to podcasts and try to catch up. So yes, I'm very excited about all the podcasts yeah, I'll be able to yeah. listen to. <laughs> I mean, it's alone time, right? <laughs> Yeah. You know, I don't get a lot of that with four children. Absolutely. (laughs) So where, so how did you find Sophia university then? Um, It did have, it mentioned somatic body work in the description of the program. And one of the classes we took was body psychotherapy. Mm. And so there was an aspect to that. And so I, I had gone and looked at another school that had talked about that was for somatic counseling and, and it, I got there and it was a room in a house, an old house. And so oh basically my. it was a mailbox, you know, and so, which was good that I had found that out ahead of time, of course. So this time I went and visited um, Sophia and it had a great campus. It was like a vibrant um really wonderful people kind of um, campus. And so 
I started there without really any understanding of what transpersonal psychology was, <laughs> which is kind of funny that that's what I was getting my degree in without really knowing about it. But it was, it was exactly where I was supposed to be. And so I was led there. I, I really firmly believe that, totally believe that. Uh, I think one of the previous podcast guests, Amber Annette, called it following the breadcrumbs. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely that way. I, I just am, I don't even know how this showed up in my feed, you know, as I was doing my research, because the somatic, the word somatic was just such a one, one place it showed up. That was it, you know, <laughs> but right? it was a bread, a breadcrumb for sure. Yes. Following the breadcrumbs. Um, and that's one of my favorite things to think of, because, you know, people want to go from like zero to 100 overnight. And it's just not possible. And I used to teach my clients this when I was coaching. It's like, you have to do the incremental steps to lead you to a hundred. And so I like how Amber put it, uh, like to follow the breadcrumbs. And I was like, that makes lots of sense. Like you're, it's leading you on this path, just one little breadcrumb at a time. Right. And, and this idea of getting exactly what you want, you know, when you want it right now, it's, it's just so much an outgrowth of our culture and what we're taught and making these kind of significant life changes, you know, they take time and they take commitment and they take a, you know, a longer vision of, of your life than next week, I want to be back in school. Yeah. And for some people that works, you know, it does. I've, I've seen it happen. I'm like, I can't believe you're doing this, but okay, good for you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> now that didn't exactly happen that way with me, but it was like uh, winter time. And I was like, I want to go back to school. And my husband's like, oh, okay. When I'm like next semester. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, next semester. And he was like, do you know what you want to take? I'm like, psychology and he was just like are you sure because with bipolar disorder some people don't realize uh a, a, one of the symptoms can be like impulsivity like we make very impulsive decisions and he had yeah. seen me time and time again like make decisions to do different things that never panned out and he was just like I don't know if this is going to work out. And I was like, oh no, I really want to do it. Like, let me tell you all the things. And he was just like very skeptical <laughs> of whether it was going to pan out because he was just like, okay, well you were a fitness coach. Then you wanted to be a personal trainer. And then you wanted to be, uh, I wanted to teach Pio and then, <laughs> and then I was a life coach. And then I wanted to be a therapist and like all these things that never like really stuck. And he was just like, how much money is this going to cost? <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, every one of those ex experiences, you know, were helping to prepare you for what you were doing because none of it is for waste, right? It all, it all adds into the total package of who you are and what you have to offer to yeah. whoever yeah. you're working with. So I'm wondering, um, what did your children think about all of this? Like oh, all these wow. changes. Yeah. Cause yeah. I could, I could only imagine if uh, I don't have a relationship with my mom, but if I did and she's suddenly like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. I'd be like, what happened to you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it was definitely some of that. Um, and it, the divorce was really hard on them. 
-hmm. it's super hard on our whole family. And, and yet um, we came out of that, you know, so I, I really, it, it was very hard to do. And yet I knew so, so clearly that it needed to happen. And every single one of us is in a better place because of that. And our relationships are stronger. And so I'm, I'm really proud of myself, if that even makes yeah. sense, you know, for, for making that hard decision and for following through on it, because it was not easy. And I was the bad guy for quite a while. I was, I was vilified <laughs> for quite a while. And yeah. then, and then they began to see, you know, that really, we were just so very different from each other and that I had had to become a different person in order to make that relationship work. And I just wasn't willing to do that anymore. It was so hard to do that. And it just exhausts you to, to act, you know, right. all the time. So I, you know, in some ways it was really hard for them. Um, and at this point we are all so good. I have, I have three daughters. I have seven grandchildren. Oh my! I know, and I have wonderful relationships with all of them. So um, it has it has really been good in the long time. And that is the story of transition. You know, when we have mm. these significant changes, it doesn't just affect us. You know, it right. is redefining many of our most important relationships in our life, which, you know, these other people might be very happy and comfortable with the way you are. And so when you change that, it's uncomfortable for them too. And it, it can be hard because you have, you're redefining who you are, right? In, in psychosynthesis, which is the type of psychology that I practice, we call that your ideal model, the way that you define yourself. And so you start to define yourself in a different way. And the people around you are like, well, wait a minute, I, I liked it the other way. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to build a new relationship until you have redefined your ideal model for yourself. And then other people can start to say, okay, this is who you are. Do I like that or not? Or, you know, you work through that new relationship of being, sharing who you are in, you know, in reality with them and letting them start to get to know you on, on a truer basis. Oh, you're preaching to the choir here. Yes. <laughs> I completely understand this. Like I, you know, I've become a, I've become a much better version of myself over the last 10 years, especially over the last five years. And you find the people, you play a certain role in people's lives. Well, when yeah. you start to make those changes, that role changes. And some people just can't handle that reality. Um, and yeah. they can't handle the fact that you now are a different person. Um, for me, it was like setting boundaries and people didn't like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, now I, I'm going to stand up for myself and now I'm not going to allow these things to happen. And people did not like that. Um, I left a toxic relationship with my middle daughter's father and um, I was the villain. I was the villain for a while, but I will tell you what, him and I are both better people now. He was able yeah. to get sober. He was an addict. He was able to get sober with the help of his, his wife now. 
Um, and you know, that's made him a whole different person. Um, but I don't think he would have ever gotten sober with me. And I don't think I ever would have gotten my bipolar diagnosis with him. So I think both of us are better off on our own, but yeah, you have that point in your life where like you start making these changes and you make these decisions that are good for you and people don't always support them at first. Some people come around and they're like, okay, I can get, I can get behind this new role that you play. Yeah. Um, and other people are like, hell no. Like my mom was, my mom's one of those people. That's why I don't have a relationship with her. Cause she was just like, what you want to set boundaries with me now you want to stand up for yourself now and she did not enjoy that at all so <laughs> and yeah. I was like yes I actually do I'm a full-grown adult I do want to do these things thank you but my husband he always has supported that transition with me and he's always stayed steady and just kind of like gone with the flow of me becoming a better and different person um, but then other people definitely push back on that. You know, I've had relationships that kind of just dissolved because I'm yeah. a different person. So I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I had that same experience. There were some people who just weren't willing to come along <laughs> yeah. on the journey. And, um, and so you wish them well and release them and you know, who knows, you also have no idea what could happen in the future, you know, right. you might find yourself back um, in a in a like, life space, like space at some time in the future. So yeah, they might change as well in the future and decide, yeah. oh, you know what, she had <laughs> they, the right idea right knew, there. She knew what she was doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple of those where people come back and been like, you know what, I was wrong. Um, and then I've had some people that I'm just like, I'll never talk to them again. I had, I've been a very, uh, not very strict, but I, I, I have have no qualms in the last year about deleting people off social media. Like, I'm like, if I don't remember who they are, I don't like them. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't like the things they post, like all these things, or like, I just generally don't understand why they need to be connected to me. I just delete, delete, delete. I just, I, I don't care anymore because to me, I'd rather have like a small group of friends on social media that I can connect with than a bunch of people that I don't really care, yeah. you know, to be connected with, you know, filling my newsfeed with crap. Um, so, you know, sometimes I had, a, well, the whole point of me saying that is I deleted a friend of mine. We weren't really friends anymore. We had been close friends and then she moved and then we kind of grew apart and she was posting some very vile stuff on social media. And so I deleted her. And then a couple months later, she tried to add me again on social media. And I was like, Mm-mm, no, that's so interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Like, what is driving that? I know. I'm just like, to me, if I see somebody I thought I was friends with on social media pop up in my suggested friends, I'm like, well, there must be a reason that we're not friends anymore. And I accept it and move on. But, you know, some people have a really hard time letting go and that realizing like yeah. you're two different people, like you're not going to mix well, like, right. and instead right. of me just getting angry at her and like saying things to her when it's not going to change her mind or I just release her into the world. Yeah, just <laughs> release her with good wishes and, and loving kindness and, you know, 
and go your way. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I can imagine that was stressful all around, but especially to you, because I'm like, you're just like, I'm just trying to, to be better and do better and be my authentic self. And and nobody is understanding this. Nobody wants me to, but that is why um, having my counselor at that time was so important because there was this one person who was a hundred percent in my pocket, right? She was like, I'm in your corner all the way, Um, whatever you choose, you know, because there were definitely times where I'm like, I just can't do this. You know, I have to, I have to go back. I have to make this relationship work. And she's like, okay, so how are we going to do that? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like she was trying to tell me which way to go. She was just giving me really great insights and questions to consider as I was trying to figure out which way I was going to go. Um, and, and having that one person made the difference. It really did. I don't know that I would have had the strength to do that at that point completely on my own. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's understandable. I know sometimes I don't think I would have had the strength to do some of the things I did without a therapist being like, no, you can do this. Yeah, no, or no, giving me permission to like, um, I, when I first moved to Connecticut, I enrolled in UConn and it was too much for me. Like I just, I couldn't, I wasn't in a great mind space at that time. And I had an anxiety attack and I had all these things that happened. And I was just like, I feel like a failure, but I want to drop out and just like start someplace online next year. And, and, and my therapist was like, that's fine. Okay. You're not a failure. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. And just having that person that gives you like permission to be like, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Like you yeah. can do that. It's you actually life. can do that. You, <laughs> you have the power. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. is, I mean, it's just so striking that, um, you know, it, it sounds so simple in telling the story. And yet when that happens and somebody says, well, well, you can do that. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I never thought of that. I was just so caught up in complaining and being miserable that right. I didn't think about, you know, changing things. And <laughs> like, oh, know? that I have power. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 The power of our stories, right? We just get so caught up in them. And it's just that, that little perspective of, of the reflection back, like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, some women might be listening. They might be going through midlife right now. They might be getting ready. I mean, I know I will be and not too long in the future. Um, <laughs> we were just talking about like, before we hopped on that, like I have 10 year old, well, they're going to be 10 this year. So that's like eight years in the future. I'm going to be an empty nester. <laughs> like, uh-huh. uh, um, and that's going to go by so fast. It goes so fast. Yes. Yeah. Um, what would you want? What do you want to leave? Like, I shouldn't say, what do you want to leave? We're not to that part of the podcast yet, but um, <laughs> what should women know about midlife? What, what are some, what is some of your advice? So I think one of the, um, one of the most important things is to understand that transition is a process that we can understand um, that I, I define it or describe it in four stages. And I think understanding that process helps us so much 
to to because you get in the middle of it and you're like I'm just so miserable it's always going to be like this I don't know you know we yeah. just get so caught up in it and realizing that that is just part of the process and it's one of the stages and that you will move into the next stage um, and you will move into the final stage um, it helps us so much to have that bigger perspective because you get caught up in the you know what's happening to you right now you can lose the perspective of oh I'm just moving from here to there and this is how that looks in our culture we don't really give people the space for taking time to deal with these significant life changes you know right. it's it's, it's like when somebody gets divorced and the next week their friends are saying, so have you started dating yet? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because, because you're done with that, of course, you know, and a key important part of a transition process is taking time to honor and grieve what you are letting go of what mm. is done. So like when you go through menopause and you are saying goodbye to your ability to bear children, that is something that is worthy of honoring and grieving, right? And yet we're kind of pushed to just like not even think of it as a big deal. Just let's, okay. Yeah. It, it, it's hard because you have hot flashes and you gain some weight, you know, whatever it is. Um, but if we look at the emotional and bigger arc of life story for that, it absolutely is a key and pivotal time in our lives. And it is worth time. It is worth honoring and really realizing what your feelings are instead of you know, squashing them down and ignoring them and realizing, oh, this is sad. This is sad and, and having time for that. So, you know, I, I think that that's a really important part of what happens in midlife when we have these significant life changes that just seem to be coming one right after another. Um, and realizing that um, the changes that you experience impact all of those around you also. And so you're redefining all of those relationships as you're going through it. And, and taking the time for that. So if anything, I'd say slow down. And yeah, you know. we've had a couple of podcasts on menopause and I don't remember which one it was, but one of them was like, it was after I was going through things and I was like in it that I realized, wait, this comes with some freedom. This comes with some freedom yeah. because I no longer have to worry one about a period. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's something I'm looking forward to. It's wonderful. You don't have to worry about like about getting pregnant for those of us that do not want any more children. That's an, an amazing feeling to, I mean, yeah. I shouldn't any, I have a tubal ligation, so I shouldn't be able to have kids anyways, but um, you know, having that, but this also midlife menopause happened around this, you know, same time as kids are, are for many people, kids are, are leaving the nest. So yes. now you have the freedom to be able to go travel and, right. and do things that you couldn't before because like you had obligations at home. Right. I mean, not saying that grandchildren are not like some 
people that you want to spend time with, but they aren't yours that you have to <laughs> No, the best part of grandkids is that to give them back. They come and they go. <laughs> yeah. So now you have this whole new freedom that can be celebrated. And I yeah. loved that perspective because it's like, like you said, it's hard when you're in the middle of it, but then when you can like, look at like, these are the things that I'm now capable of doing that yeah. before, like I could have done, but it would have been a lot harder to do. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I mean, I don't want to rush things because I'm good. Like I, I feel like the years go by way too fast as it is. I'm like, is it really like almost three o'clock in the afternoon? I'm in, I'm in Connecticut. Is it really three o'clock in the afternoon already here? <laughs> like what? I feel like the day just began like a little while ago. And I tell my kids all the time, I was like, the older you get, the faster it goes. Yeah. And so I don't want to push it at all. But like when that comes around, I want to keep that in mind, that freedom and that, that celebratory, like, oh, this is a new stage of life that I have these new freedoms and these new things that I can experience and not have to worry about like, oh, is this going to mean like, I can't be there for my kids, you know, that sort of thing. Cause they'll be grown and out of the house and I, I can call them and be like, how are you? Do you need anything? All right. I'm going on vacation to Sweden. I'll see you later. (laughs) In psychosynthesis, we call that the both and right. It's like, you can have both the sadness and the joy, you know, and both are true. It's not either, or you can be sad that this time of your life is ending. And at the same time, be excited that this new part of your life is starting and go back and forth as many times. And at the same moment, you know, Um, because it is, it's all true. It's all true. It's just from second to second, it's changing. I will say that one of the best things that I love about having my own house back, you know, is that if I clean it, it stays that way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I understand that because I I have small humans who like I clean and I'm like, oh, looks my bathroom will stay clean because it's in my bedroom. But like any other part of the house I clean, I'm like, I just cleaned this like five seconds ago. Yes. Why is it yeah. Already? Yes. I, I completely understand that. If it was just me and my husband and my cats, I think we would be okay, but we have small humans that it doesn't work like that. <laughs> um, so as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? Um, I have a video that I would love to share with them that explains the process of transition by using colors. Oh, I like colors. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I used to call them, you know, stage one, two, three, and four. That was more in my accounting era. (laughs) Then I moved more into my, oh, creativity and innovation. Um, So I use colors and a spiral to to talk about how we move through transition. And that is a link on the front page of my website. And the thing that I like about this also is that in each of the stages, there are ideas about what you can do to support yourself because there are things that you can do that are gonna help you um, to move through these stages a little with a little more intention. And I think mm. that intention is really the key in using this time as an, you know, as a PowerPoint where you're intentionally creating the next stage in your life to be what you want it to be. Yeah. 
Well, Karen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me and thank you for a delightful conversation. It's been really fun. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.